It's always game day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. I felt like I was like a wrestling announcer. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing awesome. You know, I I didn't realize it till today, but I got an awesome. Yeah, I got the second God of War video game coming out this week on the bye week. Uh, Black Panther comes out on the bye week, so there's there's quite a bit of cool stuff. They picked the right time for this bye week. It's perfect time for a bye week. You know when it's a perfect time for a bye week? When you're still battling a few injuries. Some of these guys could possibly come back after the bye. I think next week they do return to practice on Monday. Wednesday's the real deal. We'll get an injury update. And I think all eyes are on if DJ Reader's going to return. Zach Taylor did talk to the media yesterday, and he didn't say too much about Reader's return, but he felt it was going to be sooner than later, and that is a very smart move by the head coach. I wouldn't say a word about his return until you get into late next week because there was some optimistic uh, news as he's working on the side of practice today, uh, but still no, no timetable on his official return. But let's go back. Let's go back to the tape because when a team puts up 42 and there's three garbage touchdowns, too many people want to give Baker Mayfield credit for that those 21 points. But again, he was playing the preseason squad. No offense to them. Uh, but let's go back to what this offense looked like early on in the game, what we saw from Joe Burrow. The offense was awesome. I think from the first snap or two. So the first play was just – they hit this the entire time. And I think if the game is competitive, T Higgins goes for over a hundred yards and who knows about touchdowns and all that, but he, he wasn't working down the field, but he was working that five to 10 yard window, especially that you know, 10 to 12 too. And uh, he, they were just isolation stuff because the Panthers, the way they like to play, was they like to play quarters and cover three. So that corner is responsible for him no matter what, for the most part, as long as he's on the outside. So when he stresses him vertically, that's basically man coverage. And he was just snap at will. Whenever they wanted something, they got it with him. If they wanted eight yards, he got it. There's a plenty of plays like that. First play of the game was a five yard uh, stop route and just easy. And then the second play was uh, an inside zone play to Joe Mixon. And this was one of the only poorly blocked plays of the game, in my opinion, because miscommunication and there's the Mike linebacker doesn't get blocked. He just comes right downhill. He's ready to meet Joe Mixon in the hole and Mixon puts a move on him, makes a miss. I mean, we haven't seen that too often this year. And that's just, that sets the tone for the first play of the game. This is different from me. You know, that that's, this isn't going to be the same game that Joe Mixon has been giving us throughout the year. So I, I thought the first two plays of the game told the story basically of what the offense was going to do. They did some other interesting stuff, but I thought from a little bit of the schematic in the passing game and then from uh, how Joe Mixon was going to play throughout the day. So that, that I think in the offense in a nutshell could be summed up there because there was so many isolations up to T and then Mixon obviously has the giant day other than the offensive line was incredible. I want to get to the offensive line in just a moment. 
And I know social media is sometimes they kind of cherry pick stats. And one of the things about Joe Burrow, you heard a lot when he had the weapons of T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and when Jamar Chase was healthy is, oh, he gets carried by those guys. But what we saw from Joe Burrow most of the season is he's had to carry the offense when he was out there, especially when the run game wasn't working. When you think of Joe Burrow's day, and I think you, you would have to be someone who didn't watch the game at all to, to, to say anything or criticize anything that Joe Burrow did because that's ideal for me. That's ideal for your quarterback when you have a run game doing that. I know Joe said it on the sidelines. I want to say he was he said it's one of the players and a camera caught him saying if we run the ball like that, it's going to be really hard to beat us. And, yes, when you do that with your running back, um, this team is uh, it would be the best I, I always hate saying best in the NFL when it comes to the offense but yeah if you're rolling like that it's going to be really hard to beat this team what do you say to people when you look at Joe Burrow's game which I felt was fine it was almost like he got he got half of the day off which is really ideal when it's it's compared to other top quarterbacks right now in the AFC uh, yeah what Burrow did it was just incredibly efficient and he was very accurate. It, it, it was a, a, I, I want to say a minus type game from him. Nothing really bad. Uh, so cut out the idea of a turnover. And then he made some guys miss in the backfield. I think of uh, one play where he steps up. He actually misses an open Hayden Hurst, but that's because he has pressure from both sides. So he's just stepping up and getting rid of the ball. But he escapes those sacks, gets some positive yards there, uh, throwing dots at times where only Trent Taylor could get it, or, or was that or when I can't remember, but one of them and his foot came up just enough that they didn't count it. The Tyler Boyd play where they didn't count that. Otherwise, he ends the day with what three touchdowns and um and a rushing touchdown. Yeah. So he was very good on his QB sneaks, although I think they always call those into some pretty good fronts other than maybe on the goal line. His QB sneaks, other than that, were if an A-gap was wide open, there was one yard. It's just like, yeah, I'm going to take that. and We'll just move the chains. So I thought he played really well. Um, I think the I, a lot of people have pointed out the two plays I just did with the sideline catches that didn't count as touchdowns. He had a throw on under center play action rolling to his right to Devin Asiasi. Yes. I think right on the money, in my opinion. And Asiasi just maybe it was like two inches overthrown, mm -hmm. but it's catchable. And Asiasi doesn't come down with it, goes through his hands on the diving catch. And I think if that's Hayden Hurst, that turns into maybe even a big touchdown play because it was wide open and Burrow did a really good job of throwing it. So I, I think there's some stuff on the film that says, yeah, his receivers are awesome. And one of them still left a play on the field that could have been made this day go from a good, efficient game into a great, awesome game. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I was actually about to bring up the Aussie Aussie stuff because that happened right in front of me and it was nothing but green grass in the end zone. And you're right. I think if it was Hayden Hurst or any other receiver on the team, that that's six automatically but yeah I just miss him but but you liked that throw from Burrow because I just at the time I just couldn't believe that he didn't catch it yeah I liked it I, I the only thing is maybe it was a couple inches overthrown but that should still be a catch in my opinion it, it shouldn't have gone down as an incompletion he's rolling to his right I give him a little bit of leeway on the accuracy when you're rolling and throwing on the run I think that it's possible that a, a tight end catches that in stride little bit of like uh Jamar Chase did that on that big touchdown against the Steelers 
last year, the first game where he just kind of like lunges and he still keeps his feet and keeps running, but uh, maybe they have to lunge to catch it, but it should still be a catch. Um, even if he has to dive and catch it, he should, he should be able to come down with it. I thought it was a good enough throw and he's trying to keep it away from the defense too. Cause I, I think there are two defenders underneath of him. So he's trying, I can't under throw this and give, let them make a play on it, even though he really could, because they were up like 35, nothing on that throw, <laughs> but you know, don't want to, you don't want to turn the ball over, give him a chance to get back into the game. So I thought it was a really good throw uh, because there's not a huge margin for error. He has to put it, and lead him he can't under throw it and uh i think it was there i i just i think asiasi didn't come down with it and that could even be hayden hurst runs that that much faster so hayden hurst would have caught it in stride but asiasi is like 0.02 seconds slower or something so he doesn't catch it in stride instead it's overthrown and he has to make a diving catch because he probably doesn't throw that to asiasi that often so he doesn't have the same rapport yeah, I want to stick with the weapons right now. We know what T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd is. Obviously, Jamar Chase is out right now to be determined on when he returns. But Trent Irwin and Trent Taylor are getting some love right now with this offense and what they've been able to do. When you went back to watch the tape, did anything really stand out about the two receivers? I thought they did a good job what they were asked to do. I thought it was interesting that they kept putting Tyler Boyd outside so that they could get Irwin on the inside. Or they'd play formations where they can get multiple slot receivers like we have talked about. They go empty. They put P run on, on the outside one play and Hurst on the outside of the same place. So you get three slots. So I thought it was interesting the way they used them. And then, yes, they did play well, too. Like they were getting open. They were making good catches. They stepped up. They're not Jamar Chase, but they're doing what they can. And if they can do that while Jamar Chase is injured, that's that's enough. Because, like I was saying, I think this was a T. Higgins possible game if they didn't need it. That was the issue. Like, what, whatever they wanted, they got. That He caught, I think, seven out of his eight targets. He only missed one uh, target that went his way. He didn't come down with. Um, caught seven out of eight. He was open on all of them. They weren't really contested catches. So, a good job from all these wide receivers in general and you got solid enough performance you don't need the uh jerry judy as your fourth wide receiver that to step up you if you get good performance from these guys it's fine i wouldn't i i don't want to go back too much into the trade deadline obviously because it's over but i need people on social media i know it's fun to play gm when you think about the weapons the Bengals and their medical staff know more about the timetable of Jamar Chase. And we talked about it a couple of weeks ago when we heard about the injury. It's all about really just finding that wide receiver three and four. And you can even add Hayden Hurst in there. So maybe even move the wide receiver four and five of what you need right now. I think we know what Mike Thomas is. And they really showed that with the offense on Sunday, the guys getting the reps out of there. I wish Trent Irwin would have had that touchdown. It was so close. And I get why they didn't give it to him. But at the same time, that would have been really cool for Trent Irwin because Joe was giving the ball around to all of his different weapons. And that's one of the things we wanted to see. Obviously, Joe Mixon gets five touchdowns. So it was a Joe Mixon day. But Joe was uh Joe was spread the love to his weapons. I want to get to one receiver. We're going to move offensive linemen to the next segment. But maybe it was just a couple clips that I saw. And, and obviously, you're clipping them over on social media. Make sure you're following along. Bengals underscore Sands. You have great video clips, recaps from the games. Stanley Morgan. One of the things that Joe Burrow said about him, I want to say last year was, 
and oh gosh, I'm paraphrasing the quote just a little bit, but but I'll get to the point when he said, we wouldn't be the team we are without Stanley. There is a lot of love for Stanley Morgan in the offensive room. When number nine says that about you, when he had three healthy receivers out there and still preloaded offense, that Stanley Morgan is the difference maker. We talk about special teams, but he didn't have a too bad of a day too on, uh, on some of the blocks out there. Yeah. Um, the three come to mind and I know he had more blocks than that, but three of them come to mind. The touchdown that was a toss play out of the shotgun. He does a good job of sealing his guy to the outside so that the corner can't make a play on it. Not like anything crazy. The better one is they run a crack toss from under center and they jet motioned him to be the lead blocker. And the Panthers didn't react to the jet motion, do anything crazy. So he's able to get out in front, create numbers, and he makes a heck of a block on the outside on that one. The first one, that's a good block. This one was a really good, a great block. And then there was one more, and he didn't have to make a block, but they trusted him. They brought him in, ran the windback play, which is, you know, it's, it's like a counter play, but no poolers. And I guess except Stanley, you use a wide receiver as a lead blocker from the opposite side. So he comes running across, but Joe Mixon's already <laughs> got the outside, and he's just kind of like trying to keep up, like, hey, I'm supposed to be blocking for you, <laughs> running downfield. Yeah, love Stanley. Like we had our debate about wide receiver four. It seems like you have the yeah. actual wide receiver four, but Stanley is my guy just because I think he gives you an element of something else. To me, Stanley is, I, I joke about it on Twitter. He kind of is the fullback of the team because he has, he didn't catch a ball yesterday or Sunday, but he made his impact blocking, lead blocking, getting out on the edge and sealing guys off for the run game. And when they want a lead blocking wide receiver and they have the time to make the switch, they're not in two minute drill. It's Stanley that comes in and that's, you don't want to be too predictable. I, I always hope that one day they'll run maybe wind back action and have that look like Stanley Morgan's coming across. Oh, I'm lead blocking. And then he just runs a wheel or something. I want to, I want to catch a touchdown. He is a, a, technically a wide receiver, but even, you know, fullbacks, they, they catch those passes. I want to see, I want to see a few Stanley Morgan targets eventually off play action. I, I think, I think he deserves it because he is the hardest blocking wide receiver and a great special teamer. I bet Joe Burrow is is calling for it. He's like, let's get Stanley Six. I, I think the whole team would be pumped to see him. And he just he's one of those guys. You even see him on social media sometimes after the game when they give the players the phone and, and he gets he gets pumped. And I can see why he's a big part of this offense, a little bit behind the scenes. But the only reason, not the only reason Trent Taylor was my wide receiver for in the preseason or you know, right before regular season, it's because of the AFC championship game. There's a reason why Samaj P. Ryan, when people are mean or disliked him after the Super Bowl, I'm like, I remember when he changed the game in the AFC Championship game. I remember when Trent Taylor caught the two-point conversion. So that's the reason I'm, I'm rooting, you know, hardcore for Trent Taylor. But I think if you have the guys in the room right now and you didn't have to put any money in the book, in the in like any anything in the books next year for some of those receivers that a lot of Twitter wanted on social media that would really just mess up their payroll going into the 2023 season. And I trust the front office. They've done enough over the last couple of years. Yes, I know people still criticize the offensive line, which we're getting to in our next segment, but they've done enough for me to trust what they're doing in the wide receiver room. And if they're just banking on these guys for the next couple of games, maybe it's one more game and Jamar Chase returns for the Tennessee game, because if it's the Kansas City game, 
then yeah, it ended up being about four to five weeks for his return. But there seems to be some some optimism um, on Chase's return, and we'll we'll hear more about that as they get back to practice next week. All right, we'll be back next on it. Only- <laughs> what were you gonna say? Ah, uh, nothing. I just <laughs> it didn't feel like the end, but I guess it's the end of the segment. We'll get to it, it was, in the next it one. Was, I did a bad job of doing that. <laughs> I did a bad job of ending that segment because it just just went on and went went on and used a bunch of extra words. So I apologize in advance. We're gonna get to the second segment where you're just gonna break down the offensive line next on it's always game day in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. 